And now, the Blaze Radio Network presents 40 Acres and a Fool. Here's your host, Cam Edwards. Greetings from the near frontier. Welcome to a bonus edition of 40 Acres and a Fool. Uh, sort of a special edition here. I'm going to call it... Um, I'm going to call it past tense current events, which is a really long way of saying we're going to look at history here. Um, As you may know, I love old books. Love them. Can't get enough of them. And one of the reasons why I love old books, I don't read old fiction. I I read old nonfiction books, books that were supposed to be current events at the time. Um, And the reason why I love reading them now is because it's a different way of learning about history. Uh, A lot of times you get some of the the little side stories, the stuff that's been kind of dropped from the history books, but uh, was relevant uh, when, when, when this was being written at the time. And there's a lot to be found in these old books that actually carry forward uh, and are valuable insights even today. So, for instance... Um, We're going to talk about a book called The Holy Barbarians, which came out in 1959, written by a guy named Lawrence Lipton, who uh, is the dad of James Lipton, the the, the masterpiece, what was it, from the actor's studio, that was that that show. Uh, This was James Lipton's dad, Lawrence Lipton, and he lived in Venice, California. He lived among the beatniks, and the beatniks are the holy barbarians. Uh, of the book by this name. So this was an exploration of beat culture. Uh, the beats were sort of the uh, the proto-hippies uh, popping up in the years after World War II. Uh, Jack Kerouac, maybe perhaps the most famous of the beats. Uh, the second most famous would have been Maynard G. Krebs, the character played by Bob Denver on The Many Lives of Dobie Gillis, uh, who would croak out, work, uh, when anybody told him to get a job. That was the stereotype of the beat, of the beatnik. Uh, They were dirty. They were lazy. They wanted to sit around and uh, smoke marijuana and wear black turtlenecks and play the bongos and uh, listen to jazz music. And the reason why that was a stereotype is because there was kind of something to that. (laughs) Uh, The book itself, The Holy Barbarians, is really fascinating. I mean, it's it's almost an anthropological uh, field study of the beatnik community in Malibu, California, uh, in the mid to late 50s. And there's a lot of stuff that's going to sound very familiar. You think all of this stuff was sort of brand new in the 60s, and it, it really wasn't. And as a matter of fact, there's a chapter in The Holy Barbarians, which leads us to, uh, I think, the lesson that we can learn today about media sensationalism. Um, there's a chapter towards the... Probably the last uh, quarter uh, of the book. Lost Generation, Flaming Youth, Bohemian Leftist, Beat Generation. Is there a difference? And those names that he talks about, the Lost Generation, the Flaming Youth, the Bohemian Leftist, the Beats, these were the descriptors for the youth movements of the 19 uh, teens and 20s, or, or the 1920s, 30s, uh, and 40s. And, and he makes the point that, you know, yes, every generation has had its own youth movement. I mean, if you think about it again, we think back to like the hippies in the 60s. And that we again, we think that was sort of the birth of the youth movement. Lawrence Lipton says, no, this has been going on for for half a century. Right. 
Uh, he says in the uh, 1920s, uh, one of the beats that uh, you're introduced to in the book, a guy named Chuck Benison, uh, who's sort of a straight, and then he quits his job at an ad agency and he ditches his tie and he starts listening to jazz music and smoking reefer all day. Uh, Lawrence Lipton says he would he, he would have quit his advertising agency job, but he would not have in the 20s have shed his necktie, put on Levi's, and gone to live in poverty in a slum, seeking new ways of knowing through pot and trance and far-out jazz, as he did in the 50s. Uh, he writes that Sherwood Anderson's was not a total rejection of American lifeways and values. The rebels of the 20s drifted in and out of Bohemia's like Greenwich Village or the left bank of Paris or Chicago's near north side, uh, but they did not think of Bohemia as a slum or of poverty as a voluntary act of dedication. In the 1930s, he writes, if uh, another one of the beatniks that he um, uh, has been palling around with, a woman named Tanya, uh, whose parents were hardcore uh, American communists in the 1930s. Uh, Lord Lipton says in the 30s, if Tanya had been an adult, she would have come into the communist movement with fewer misgivings. It would have taken her longer to see through the rationalizations of the Moscow-dominated American Communist Party line. Uh, she would have had some experience of working for a living. Her class consciousness would have been more than a catchphrase in a party pamphlet. Um, in other words, it would have been different than in the 50s. Uh, in the 40s, he writes, the generation that went into the boot camps of the foxholes of World War II was an alienated generation, even though it remained for the most part untouched by Marxist influence. New Deal liberals and their propaganda, official and unofficial, made it sound like a crusade to save the American way of life. Uh, 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 but the uh, young men on the firing line, it was an unpleasant job to be gotten over and done with, as anyone old enough to remember World War II years knows very well. He says the veteran of World War II was a tough customer. Uh, he knew his lost years were gone forever, but he demanded everything in the way of compensation that he could squeeze out of the politicians of the war profiteering millionaires, and he wasn't the least bit humble about it. making the case that while there were youth movements in every decade, those movements each looked different. Uh, And this is where it gets really interesting to me. He writes, older people faced with a rebellious and disrespectful youth. And by the way, when when Lawrence Lipton wrote this in uh, the late 50s, he was probably a good 20 years older than a lot of the beatniks. He lived in Venice Beach. He, he was considered sort of the uh, the old man of the beatniks, but uh, uh, he was a guy who was, you know, comfortably in middle age at that point. Uh, he says older people faced with a rebellious and disrespectful youth like to tell themselves that all new generations are the same. I was just like that myself when I was their age, and that it's only a symptom of the growing pains of the young, that they'll settle down in due time, and that, as the French platitudinarians put it, the more things change, the more they are the same. Lipton goes on to write that things do change, and people with them, is something the late Frederick Lewis Allen spent much of his life in documenting. His book, Only Yesterday, is filled with proof of it, and it covered only the first 30 years of the century. So this book, uh, Only Yesterday, is an incredible book, and it's actually something that we'll probably be spending a couple of podcasts talking about. Uh, It is a history of the 1920s, written, as Lawrence Lipton said, um, by a, a guy named Frederick Lewis Allen. It came out in 1932. So it came out right after the 20s were over. And he's already looking back at that decade. Remember this, remember this, remember this. And so it's not just the big stuff. It's the small stories that get covered. It's the small histories 
that get written up and talked about. And that's one of the reasons why uh, that book is so fascinating to me. He also wrote a book about the 1930s that came out in the early 1940s called Since Yesterday. Uh, And that one is incredible as well. We'll probably end up talking about that at some point in time. But as I'm reading The Holy Barbarians, I mean, these are two of my favorite history books of the 20th century. Uh, Frederick Lewis Allen is a great writer. Uh, I mean, they're written in the 20s and 30s or in the 30s and 40s, and they're so easy to read. They, they, They read like they could have been written yesterday. Uh, they're, they're just, they don't sound dated or antiquated. They're just really, really good. So as I'm reading The Holy Barbarians, all of a sudden this name pops up, Frederick Lewis Allen, only yesterday. And, uh, and, and he writes about um, what Frederick Lewis Allen had said when there was a later edition of Only Yesterday that came out. It came out in 1957. It was a paperback edition. And so now that that's not just looking back on something that happened a couple of years ago. Now it's looking back on something that happened a couple of decades ago. And Alan said, um, I should confess that in the effort to highlight the trends of the 1920s and to enliven the book, I illustrated some of those trends with rather extreme, though authentic examples of odd or excited behavior. These may mislead you in case you cannot check such examples against your personal recollections, into thinking that everybody must have been a little crazy during the 1920s. If so, will you please take my word for it, that one could gather just as such preposterous examples of American behavior today, a selection of some of the wilder comments on the atomic bomb, for example, that in my humble opinion, people in the 1920s were on the average just about as normal and reasonable as they are today, and that, in short, the period was not conspicuously sillier than any other, but simply silly in somewhat different ways? Whether the human race gains in wisdom as time goes by is uncertain. The one thing that we can be sure of is that its absurdities take changing forms. Okay. So what I find fascinating here is that Lipton now uses what Alan had to say about, well, these examples, I kind of, you know, played it up to, to help liven up the book. He, he, he points out that this is misleading. Intentionally, he says, uh, if the examples of the behavior which he gave were, quote, extreme in his own view a quarter of a century later, it's because they were extreme from the start. In other words, they were, quote, newspaper stories, an expression that I find myself enclosing in quotation marks because that is the tone in which the phrase is uttered by every intelligent person today. Quote, just newspaper stories. If they later seemed like absurdities to Allen, it was because they were selected for their absurdity by the newspaper and magazine editors who printed them in the first place, those that weren't contrived by enterprising reporters and posed by news photographers, as many of them were. They were as true as they needed to be for the purpose they were intended to serve, to titillate the sensation-hungry yokels that newspaper publishers have always imagined their readers to be, and to stimulate circulation in order to justify rising space rates on advertising. Um, so there you have a, a, a book from 1959 that talks about an explicit detail, the clickbait culture of the media that exists for us today in 2018. It's those moments that I, I, I love when I read these old books that connection that you find to the past, that, oh, they were dealing with this stuff back then too. 
This isn't just a new phenomena. Uh, and it's something, by the way, that is not just noted uh, on the right. Lawrence Lipton was not a conservative, uh, but Lawrence Lipton, and I think a lot of the beats, perhaps even, uh, were, were wise or cynical enough uh, in their views of the media to recognize that the, uh, the, the, the media creates a narrative and provides us with those titillating stories, uh, often at the expense of real news. So, there you go. The, uh, the Holy Barbarians by Lawrence Lipton at last. The complete story of the Beats, that hip, cool, frantic generation of new bohemians who are turning the American scale of values inside and out. Uh, you can find a used copy for not too much money. Uh, on uh, some of the used book sites. Uh, I don't know if this is available as a, uh, an Amazon Kindle or as a, uh, an iBook, but the next time that we uh, get together and talk about old books, I do want to talk about Frederick, Lewis's, uh, Frederick Lewis Allen's uh, Since Yesterday. And that, I can tell you, is available on uh, Amazon Kindle and on Apple iBooks as well. So, if you want to get a head start and you want to kind of read along here, we, we actually can sort of do a book club. It's going to be hard to do with a lot of these books because they're out of print and they're really old. But uh, that next book, Since Yesterday by Frederick Lewis Allen, that one we can actually read together. And we'll, uh, we'll do it again soon. So thanks for tuning in to a special past tense current events edition of 40 Acres and a Fool on Blaze Podcast Network. and a fool with cam edwards on the blaze radio network 